It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. So about an hour ago, I pulled up here to Wellevator headquarters slash podcast recording slash Jackfruit Preparation Central. Was that my stomach or was that Evie? <laughs> oh, that was Evie. I thought it was my stomach because my stomach growled at the exact moment that she howled the door. So we're in a closed room right now at the compound, and uh, and there's a there's a there's a, a Jack Russell Terrier on the other side of this door. I think you need door. to be more specific about where we are exactly. We're in a closet at Whitney's house. Okay, <laughs> we're in a closet. Her head is in between a pair of jeans. And a vegan, like, Sherpa parka, I don't know, thing. Anyway, her head is in between clothing. I don't know what to call that style. A shearling coat. That's what it's called. A vegan shearling coat. I was trying to... Sherpa shearling, close enough. So, I come over, and we get in the car. We're on our way to a a meeting in Hollywood. And she's like, I gotta play you this song. It's gonna sound so good in the car. And I'm like, what song is it? We'll get specific. I mean, let's give them all the details so they can visualize this situation. So about eight, nine months ago, I got the Tesla Model 3. She did. Which was a dream of mine for a long time. So reminder that dreams come true. (laughs) You got to go after what you really want. And this car has brought me so much joy. Sometimes I step back and I think it feels really weird to have this much joy over a car. Although I know I'm not alone. Jason's a big car guy. I mean, I'm talking to the audience, I suppose. But looking at Jason, he's like, what are you talking? Of course, it makes sense. But I think it's just because it's a material object that sometimes I feel kind of silly. And it's not an inexpensive car. So the car payments are quite high and the highest I've ever paid for a car. So I feel like we could do a whole episode on what that has brought about for me. But anyways, one of the best parts about having a car of this caliber is that it has an incredible sound system. Oh my system. God. Is it just me or is that sound system really no, good? No, that sound system is crazy good. Okay, good. It's, it's not just me. It's like concert surround sound. It's nuts. Just hearing you say that, I just feel so grateful. I hope that maybe somebody here is listening in a Model 3 right now. That it's, would be insane. Possible. Or any Tesla, because the S2, the sound system is unbelievable. Like the attention to detail in the engineering mm-hmm is outstanding from an audio perspective. Yeah, Truly it, it is. It's very possible someone's sitting there nodding their head and knows exactly what we're talking about right now. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Anyways, to give a little backstory before Jason gets into his point here is that I felt like a couple nights ago, I really started to value the sound system on a whole new level. And I don't know why it took me eight or nine months to get to this point, but I played the song Black Hole Sun, which has a lot of nostalgia for me. And I hadn't listened to it in so long. It's not a song that I would just like randomly play, but that's just what happened. It was like the universe just like brought it into my head and I put it on and I was just blown away. So leading up to Jason's story here is that I was just in this mindset of feeling so in awe of the way music sounded in my car. So I wanted to bring Jason into the experience. Yeah, so I sit down in the vegan leather seat. It's very comfortable, by the way. 
also realizing tangential, and we'll bring it back to the original point, tangentially how important comfortable seats are in a car. And I'm finally getting that now. I never really cared. It was always like, that car is dope. I don't care how, how the seats feel. Now I care how the seats feel. Mm-hmm. Different story. We'll Especially talk. because one of the big reasons I got the Model 3 is because I wanted an electric car with long range. Yep. And it has one of the longest range, right? I mean, what else would beat it out? Other Teslas? Yeah, one of the Teslas, the Model S, has a long range that gets 335 miles per charge. So 10 miles more. Because I got the long range battery and it, it goes 325 Correct. right now. Correct. And I remember when I was really seriously researching and considering cars, the only one that came close to it was the Chevy Bolt. Right. And that gets about 268, I think, 260. Kelly said, our friend has one. She said yeah. it gets 260-ish. So anyways, coming back to the seat point is that I, in addition to wanting great sound in the car, <laughs> I have this massive love for road trips. So... I just love driving in a car, so you need to have comfortable seats. You gotta have comfortable seats. Jason and I are actually planning a road trip related to music. I feel like there's music is the big theme of this, but it's kind of like the secondary theme of this. Anyways, go on. Okay, sit down in the comfy ass seat. She's like, I gotta play you this. I gotta play this, and I'm like, okay, cool. And I have no idea what she's gonna play me. And she plays the song "Plush" by Stone Temple Pilots, which I have not listened to in so long. It's a song that actually I've covered with our dear friend, Jeff Skyrick, who's shot thousands of photos for us over the years, videos. Jeff was my videographer for years on my YouTube channel. Shout out to him. We'll put him in the show notes. It's rawtographer.com. An amazing, amazing guy. Just totally creative Bostonian. He's like a good dude. Jeff, shout out to Jeff. Remind me, this is sounding vaguely familiar. Did you guys record? I have the video of this. Yeah, I have this. I I feel like I might have seen that. So I have this song, Plush, Stone Temple Pilots, that Jeff is playing guitar and I'm singing. Will you sing just a little bit of it? Honestly, last night it came on randomly in the Tesla. I was trying to play Black Hole Sun again. Yeah. And one of the features of the Tesla is radio program called Slacker. And it won't let you play songs on demand necessarily. So sometimes you'll request a song and it'll be like, I'm going to play this song that's related instead. So that's why I actually heard Plush. And another song I hadn't listened to a really long time. And it just blew me away the way it sounded and the way I felt from it. So will you sing a little bit of it? Yeah. So how does it go? And I see the times are ways to go. So where you going to tomorrow? And I see with these early eyes of disarray. And would you even care? And I feel it. And she feels it. Where you going till tomorrow? Where you going with the mask you found? And I feel, and I feel when the dogs begin to smell her. Will she smell alone? I want to know how many people are going to put that song on after they hear this podcast. It's in your head now. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Even if you're not like a major fan of Stone Temple Pilots, I feel like that's just one of those songs that. I feel like most people can really hit you, especially when you listen to it on a great speaker. And if that was an era of your life, childhood, early teenage years, for Whitney and I, we're different ages, but that early 90s period was filled with so much great music. And we're going to talk about our inner child and talk about nostalgia. And that, that really, I guess, is the overarching topic of today's podcast. But 
to listen to something that it invigorates your body with a specific energy and a feeling of it almost transports you back to that time. Sometimes when I haven't listened to a song in years, like Plush, right? I remember being in high school and that whole grunge era of Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots and Mud Honey and Alice in Chains. Right. And like all of like the early 90s had Red Hot Hot Chili Peppers, Ice Cube, NWA, like that era of music, the early 90s was on Soundgarden. Like the list is insane. And so when I listen to that stuff, it reminds me why I started to fall in love with music in the first place, why I wanted to sing and play music. But it's a good thing, I think, to connect with the inner child who it lights you up with so much joy. Mm -hmm. Music is one of those things that it instantly excites and brings out the inner child and takes us back to those moments. It has that ability to transport us. Similar to a smell, you know, when you smell something. Oh, God, yeah. That evokes a very specific feeling or memory. Yes. Yes. Or you can think of something and you remember exactly how it smells and it's so distinct. And also how you felt. Like, I think it's not necessarily about the song or the smell. It gives you a visceral sensorial experience in your body, like feeling recall. It's really interesting, the power of that. And it's also so soothing. So that's another thing that we want to tie into this episode is that Jason knows this. Yesterday, I was just having a tough day emotionally. and. I didn't really know how to get out of the funk. And I, I was talking to Jason and, and actually I was on my way to yoga and I just didn't feel great. Now, luckily, the yoga class helped a lot. So moving your body is a great way to get out of an emotional funk or doing something that really challenges you and distracts you. is helpful, too. It just gets you out of your head and into your body. But I also found yesterday that aromatherapy was huge for me. I lit a candle, a brand new candle I had received as a gift, and it was so comforting. And then I ended up listening to all this music in my car, and I just felt like rejuvenated. I felt like it just pulled me out of that. There are two parts of it. A, actually, now that I'm talking about it, I'm recognizing that the candle that I received was this forest-scented candle. And it's a very strong, potent smell of various trees that you would smell in the forest. And I grew up next to conservation lands. So I spent a ton of time in the woods, in the forest growing up. So I was surrounded by these trees. And so for me, maybe that smell is just super comforting because it does remind me of my childhood. It reminds me of just the peace I felt walking around in the woods or the adventures that I went on and the self-exploration. And actually, when I was younger, I didn't even realize I was doing this, but I was basically meditating without knowing what meditation was. Because after school, whenever I was having a tough day at school, I would go and walk around in the woods for hours by myself, Mm. (laughs) completely in silence. And it's funny, I don't think about it that much, but I spent a significant portion of my teenage years in the woods. And that was like my go-to place. And that also helps me understand now when I moved in Los Angeles, (laughs) there's this joke for anyone that's lived in LA, the West side versus the East side. Jason and I have both gone through different stages. We have. So moving from Massachusetts, which is on the opposite side of the country to LA, I think a lot of the times you think like, I want to live near the beach. 
Or if you just go to these areas, Santa Monica, Venice, they have this vibe to them that is so distinct. And if you spend enough time there and you, you align with that energy there, it's really hard to leave. So both Jason and I separately had lived in different parts of the West Side. And there were times in our lives where we could never have imagined moving. No. But to tie back into my point here, I was trying to find an apartment years ago. And I couldn't find anything within my budget or anything that just kind of fit for me on the west side and ended up having to go to the east side. And I thought it was just going to be temporary. But the biggest joy that I felt and probably one of the big reasons that I've stayed on the east side and, and I live in the Hollywood area in the hills is that I'm surrounded by trails to walk on. So anytime I want, I can immediately get on a walking trail and be surrounded by trees again, as opposed to the ocean. And so again, we come back to this idea of this inner child, or even just the nostalgia that we experience and the comfort that brings to us. A lot of the things that we feel this draw to, this pull to, are based on things that we really loved or felt really comforting to us when we were growing up. And so I think it's so important to tune into that and to be aware of, of where these poles are. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about these childhood triggers, right? These experiences that provide us comfort, provide us joy. And music for me was always one thing as a child that I remember just playing records. I'm dating myself now, right? Records, but vinyl is, has a massive resurgence. I mean, everybody I know that is in a band presses vinyl records now. It's a thing. Really? Oh, absolutely. Brandon, who owns the salon we go to, Liberated Salon, shout out to Brandon. You know he's in two bands and they have like, yeah, they have vinyl records. Yeah, he's in two punk bands. Wait, we should pause and just tell them about Liberated Salon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's a really special place. We yeah. should just give a, like a deeper shout out okay. to them, well, like some context. Well, okay, so Liberated Salon is in the Atwater Village neighborhood of Los Angeles. If you are in L.A., find yourself in L.A. It is a fully vegan, eco-friendly salon with the sweetest people. We've been literally going there for so long. I, I think I was talking to Brandon. It's like year seven with him. So he's the seven owner. years. Yep. And I went first to Primrose. one of the stylists. Yes. in a They were at a different salon and I was looking for a natural hair care experience. Yeah. And so I went in there to give it a shot and really enjoyed my stylist, Chelsea. And Chelsea's chair was next to Brandon's. Uh -huh. And then so I suggested that Jason go try it out. And he just vibed with Brandon. And then Brandon ended up opening up his own salon, bringing Chelsea along. And <laughs> a few months ago, I think it was last fall, Jason and I were about to go on a business trip together. <laughs> and I, I just casually mentioned, oh, I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow. And he said, yeah, me too. And I, I said, yeah, I'm getting mine at like 2 p.m. or whatever it was. <laughs> just coincidentally, Jason was too. So we didn't even plan it, but we <laughs> That's the first time that's ever happened I know, in seven was, years. That was really delightful. That was fun. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so Brandon's in two bands and he presses yeah, records. and he presses vinyl records. So like, just going back to childhood, growing up in Detroit, it was pretty much soul music, R&B, Motown, and classic rock. So whenever I hear that stuff, like the teenage stuff is one thing. But if we want to talk about roots, like deep childhood, my youth, I mean, I think about like... God, Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan and Motown, Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross, The Temptations, Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding, Al Green, like all that. And to me, that's still my favorite music. People are like, what kind of music do you like to sing or listen to? Or like, what kind of band would you want to be in? Because I've been in nine bands, but, you know, I want to form a new one. It's like, 
that's my stuff, man. Classic rock, soul, R&B, Motown. That's, that's in my heart. So when I play that stuff, it brings me... Like play it as in like listen to? Whether or... I sing it or create it or I listen to it, it has a vibration that instantly brings out my inner child. I always say that if I'm in a, in a bad mood or I'm in a funk, and this is for real, all I got to do is put on a Stevie Wonder record and my state changes instantly. Mm-hmm. I have found that I cannot be sad, angry, depressed. I mean, there's something about the vibration and I'm just using Stevie as one example, but I'll put on a Stevie record and there is so much love and heart and joyfulness in his music. Even the social commentary that it's like, it's a state change. It immediately changes my state. But to bring it back to like the joyfulness of childhood, you know, we just released a blog post recently on the Wellevator website. You can check it out at wellevator.com. We'll put it in the show notes about this idea of excavating our childhood to see if there are any passions or touchstones of joy or long forgotten dreams that we can bring into the present moment of our adulthood, things that might still be relevant, things that might still light us up that we've forgotten about for so long. And music is just one of those things that you can immediately put on something that you grew up with and it just, it does, it changes your whole state of consciousness. It's incredible. Or the candle you got, like hearkening back to your meditative travels in the forest as a child. I actually have these cassette tapes that I recorded as a kid. I've labeled them. It's from the very early 80s. I must have been three, four or five years old. There's several of these cassette tapes. And these cassette tapes contain me doing impressions, me creating characters. I hosted a variety show where I had dinosaurs and my mom played a character called the Great Cook. And I was hosting these variety shows and I was making up jokes and I was singing weird Neil Diamond songs like turn on your hot light. (laughs) And I was making fun, which I still make fun of a lot of music like that. But I revisit those tapes every few years because I like to remind myself that I don't think I was intentionally doing this as a child, but I loved bringing joy to people. If I could make someone laugh or light them up or give them a giggle or see someone smile. And I wasn't attached to the outcome. I was just creating for the sake of creating. Literally, whatever came through my head, I put on tape. I put on these cassettes. Dude, I look back and it reminds me of the courageousness of childhood to create just for the sake of creation, not because I cared about what anyone else thought. I clearly, if you listen to these tapes, if we ever play these on the podcast, you can hear, I clearly do not care about what anyone else was thinking. I was a nut. Like I was crazy. Still am. But I think listening back to those, Whitney, right, it reminds me that I can give myself that permission to just be creative because something wants to come through me, not because I want it to make money, not because I want to elicit an effect or response from people, but just that like the joy of being creative and the joy of self-expression is something that I think we need to make a point to connect with. That inner child just wants to express itself, just wants to create. And I think as adults, we get so serious, like I want to be creative, but it's got to make me money. This has got to result in something or we get a little bit strategic and manipulative sometimes with what we're creating in the world. Mm -hmm. And to remember that as kids, we didn't care about any of that stuff. But a lot of adults don't even feel like they're creative. And that's always so interesting is like when you can think back, because creativity is such a huge part of our childhoods. I think adults are not always in touch with their creative sides. And you said this very briefly, like some people think they're not creative, but everybody's creative. You created a career, you created a family, you've created a home for yourself. There are things that you're creating all of the time. So this idea of 
if I'm not an artist or an author or a musician or a painter, I'm not creative. I, I think that's a misnomer. I think that is a very short-sighted viewpoint in the sense that we are all empowered to be creative in life. Or even just enjoy creativity. I think that's one of the reasons that music speaks to us so much is that we don't have to feel creative in what we're doing, but we can feel creative in the way that we're appreciating other people's creativity. I think this is one of the reasons people love going to museums, looking at art, appreciating things. I think this is also one of the reasons that shows based on entertainment are so popular, like American Idol and The Voice, all these competition shows, like watching other really talented or creative people succeed and reach their dreams. It's just something that we're so innately drawn to, don't you think? Absolutely. And I do think that there's a weird dichotomy in in our culture. And I'm going to use the United States just as an example, because many European nations, it's not like this. But we simultaneously celebrate people, artists who have reached the pinnacle of their industry. But then what's the first thing to get cut from school funding? The arts. So I think we have this schizophrenic, weird, dichotomous relationship with art in the United States where we're like, you've made a lot of money and you're a success and we buy your records and we go to your concerts, but the music programs are getting cut at your kid's school. So there's a misalignment, I think, with our regard toward art and artistic careers and how people go about it, you know? And maybe that explains why some people are really afraid to pursue creativity professionally. I think it's a huge reason. you have the dream of being an artist, but you're told in school and or by your parents that you can't make money or it's not a serious career Mm -hmm. or it's not as important as science and math and history and all these other things that we're told to study instead of that. I've actually never thought about that before, how if you're getting all these messages that being an artist is not as important, not as valuable or it's something to do in your spare time as a hobby, but it's not something that you can put all your focus on. Because remember, as kids, a lot of school systems are set up to train us so that we know what it's like to work. Yeah. We look at our schedules as children. We're getting up at the crack of dawn <laughs> and going to school for the entire day and following the rules and doing tests and working really hard. And it's like a conditioning to get us to be prepared for going into the workforce and having this average nine to five job. And Mm -hmm. I think that for me, I've always been a very creative type. I thrive in creative environments. I thrive in positive feedback. I really get incredibly frustrated and unhappy when I feel like I have to follow rules just for a rule's sake or I have to take a standard test or something like that. I've never performed well with that. But whenever I look back on what I was doing in school and where I was thriving as a student, it was usually through creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make one comment about like the parents or the adults in our childhood that might have harped on us about, you know, that's not a realistic option as a career. How are you going to make money or be realistic? Meanwhile, they're listening to like Marvin Gaye or their Benny Goodman record or Hank Williams. And I'm like, what if Benny Goodman... Okay, old big band guy, Benny Goodman, decided to be an accountant. What if Hank Williams decided to be a janitor? What if Marvin Gaye decided he never wanted to sing? Because Marvin Gaye was also, and Nat King Cole too, was like, I'm not going to be a singer. Jeff Buckley can put in, you know, I'm not going to be a singer. What if these people had chosen that? We would have never gotten the gift of their beautiful art, their beautiful voices, their beautiful vision. So 
whenever... The same thing is true with movies and television. I mean, all of this entertainment is such a huge part of our lives. And that is such a great point, is that it's like we're getting conflicting messages. Yes, absolutely. Our parents are saying, hey, let's all go to the movies together or let's listen to this music. Or go to this concert. Yeah, or go to the museum and see this artwork. And, you know, especially like with museums, which I don't think a lot of kids love. Right, right. (laughs) You're dragged to these museums and your parents or teachers are like telling you how important it is. But then yet they're telling you that it's not important for you to be practicing that in school. Yeah. And I think that there's two things at work there. I think that in parent speak, when they have told us "Uh, that's not realistic, You'll, you'll never make money at that. I think that, first of all, part of it is their conditioning and sometimes that they were convinced out of doing what they wanted. But B, I think that at the core, even when parents or our elders say those kind of things, there's a certain protective mechanism. They don't want us to suffer. And to be honest, choosing a life as an artist and my primary focus, as you know, this has been food and music, right? You're not going to avoid the suffering. You're not going to avoid it. It's not like choosing the life of an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor is going to protect you from suffering. We should choose something more responsible. Well, what does that mean? Like, so I'm going to suffer at a desk or I'm going to suffer choosing a profession in my heart. I didn't really want to please other people. Or I can choose the suffering of not knowing where the next paycheck might come from, but I'm creating music, food, books, things that are connected to my heart. It's like people are trying to protect us from pain. People are trying to protect us from suffering. But part of the nature of our existence is you're going to suffer sometimes. Absolutely. Even being a doctor, like the amount of work and time it takes to become a doctor. My God, the amount of debt you accrue. And the sacrifice you make. I mean, one of my best friend's mothers was working her way to her professional medical career when we were growing up. And it was a huge sacrifice for the family because the mother was never around. She yeah. was always on call. She was always out studying or practicing. Interning. And it, I mean, yeah. it was a huge stress on the family and probably still is to this day, except the kids are grown up. So it's a lot easier. But, you know, you think about people that have these grueling jobs where they're spending more than 40 hours a week And they barely get to see their kids or they barely get to see their romantic partners or their family members. And so it's just kind of funny when you start to break it down. And as we go back to the original discussion we were having at the beginning of this episode, it's so odd that we will tell people that that's not important. But then when we as individuals think about the impact that any form of entertainment and art has had in our lives, It's like crucial. I mean, those roles are huge. And to me, when you're trying to figure out how you can make money, it always comes down to how you can serve the world. Yes. What would we even be if we didn't have great music and a diversity of music too, right? It's not like we only need a few artists or we're going to listen to the Beatles or or any of these, you know, huge bands for the rest of our lives over and over again. No, we We want to discover new people. We want to hear new things. We want that variety. And so we need to have new people coming up all the time. And they're all different types of artists. There are types of artists that feel very commercial and maybe their music sounds like it didn't have a lot of heart in it. And then there are those musics that come out and all you can feel is the heart. And maybe they never become this household name. But when you listen to their music, you are just transformed. Same thing with movies. You know, you have like the big blockbuster movies that are really fun and exciting. Then you have the very artsy films where maybe not a ton of people know about them, but when you watch them, 
you are just like put in this altered state and it's helping you in such a deep way. And so I think actually for me, the creativity was also a huge part of my life. And I started to be very interested in performing. Jason and I have this in common as I was never really into comedy, <laughs> like making people laugh. But I, I had so much joy getting on a stage or getting in front of the camera or doing a dance routine. Like those were all so big for me growing up. And yet I didn't know how I could do any of them professionally. It took me a long time to figure it out. But one of the things that I'm most fortunate to have in my life is my parents were incredibly supportive. So even though they didn't really know how to help me become an actress when I wanted to do that, I don't ever think they ever took my dance career (laughs) very seriously. But when I got into filmmaking, for some reason, they went with it. They supported me through going to film school and they've never once questioned it. I mean, they've had moments where they've raised concern, as you mentioned, but man, was I lucky. And not everybody has that. I mean, a lot of people have parents that are just constantly in their ear about how, yeah, you can have that as a passion. Yeah, you can have that as a hobby, but you need to be doing something else to make money. And I think when it comes to those situations, it really takes a lot of deep evaluation within your life is how important are those things for you if you want to explore them? Can you merge parts of your career, right? Like, can you take your creativity and and put it into whatever other work that you're doing that doesn't feel as creative? Will you be fulfilled doing it as a hobby, as something that you do on the side or when you get home? Or is it really in you where you need to do this full time and nothing else matters. And it's almost as if you would sacrifice anything to do it. Like it doesn't matter if you're making money. It doesn't matter if you don't have any relationships that are super strong or you only get to see your friends or loved ones and family like every once in a while. And that's where I think part of our drive to record this episode was, is that we wanted you to dig deep and start by looking to see how you feel When you listen to music like we were discussing or when you look at artwork or watch movies and what does it evoke in you? Maybe it won't even evoke the urge to be creative as we've been discussing, but maybe it brings up something or reminds you of something else and suddenly you're more connected to your roots. And that's ultimately one of the most important pieces of advice that we can give you is to really get in tune with what you really want and clear away any of the emotional clutter that's preventing you from being that in touch with yourself. Yeah, this takes a lot of work sometimes because there can be years or decades of conditioning and belief systems about yourself, about your worth, about your creativity or your lack thereof that we believed, you know, as we've gone on from parents, from our religion, from culture, from whatever it is. And I think this is such an important thing. Some people, you know, it's like, oh, it sounds like a midlife crisis. No, that's that's too pedantic and too simple. It's not a midlife crisis. We're we're not suggesting that you have a complete emotional breakdown here. We're suggesting that. Well, can we pause there for a second? It's actually interesting when you think about a midlife crisis. It probably happens because you're at this point where you feel like you have less time to live than more. Oh, absolutely. And I think that not just the time factor. But perhaps that we have denied ourselves some things that we have truly wanted to do, experience, or have, and have not allowed ourselves to. 
for whatever reason. I think that's a huge part of it. The denial or resistance of things we want. But I think it happens at that quote unquote midlife point. We never know when when we're midway through our lives. (laughs) But whatever that general time frame that is causing people to step back and say like, you know, I haven't been doing what I want or experiencing what I want in life and I haven't bought the things that I wanted to buy. And and what what have I been doing? And it sounds very cliche and kind of humorous, but it's actually a super amazing thing when somebody goes through that point where they are recognizing that they want something different or they want more and they're allowing themselves to have it. That's just truly incredible. Right. I think regardless of what age you're at or what stage of life you think you're at, this examination is, it's just really important to check in with yourself and ask yourself, are there any things that have brought you deep, deep joy that you've completely abandoned or completely forgotten about? Are there any touchstones you can create in your life? As we said, books, art, movies, music, anything that you can hearken back to that maybe you've just let go of, that you haven't allowed yourself to enjoy, that could bring joy or creative spark or inspiration to your existence. So it's having the courage to look at your life and ask, am I really living this the way I want to? And how can you give yourself permission to have it? I think one of the reasons that we got so excited about music at the beginning of this episode is that, man, that feeling, it's like a high. It's a natural high. When you hear something, you see something, you experience something that reminds you of a great part in your life, it gets me thinking, like, how can I have more of that? And not in like an addictive way, an obsessive way, or um, not being grateful or present for what I'm having. But it's really like a check-in, as you're saying, is like, wow, why can't I experience this more often? Am I not giving my permission, myself permission to have that? And it, it might be as simple as just enjoying the times that you're in the car and, and cranking up the music and creating really great playlists and, and things like that. I mean, if that brings you joy, wonderful. But if that's just like a fraction of your life, if only like a half an hour or an hour of your day has those feelings, it's also great to examine is that okay with you? Is that enough for you out of those 24 hours that you have each day? Are you giving yourself enough of that joy? Are you living a life that is so in tune and connected and vibrant and radiant? And that's what we really want for you. We see wellness as that is a huge element of it, really, is how can you feel your absolute best? How can you live in this high performance state where you're just feeling so aligned with yourself in your life that every moment feels as great as possible and that you have some strategies for the times where you're, the moments are not as great because as we'll discuss throughout this podcast, there are plenty of times in life where we do not feel amazing. And if we can create these tools to turn to, to help us, whether it's music, as we've been saying, or aromatherapy, as we talked about briefly, or entertainment or creative outlets, it's really one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself and one of the best ways to really, really savor your life. Yeah. And I think too, in this exploration, we encourage you to challenge yourself in the sense of try something you've never done before, maybe something you haven't done in years. As an example, really quick, I started playing the piano recently, been singing for a long time, been playing guitar, but piano scared the hell out of me. Right. And I jumped in and started doing it a couple months ago and it hurts my brain to sit down and write songs on a piano because I'm not good at it yet. But have the willingness to try new things, have the willingness with no result in mind, just to experience something new 
And the joy and invigoration and challenge of that can make you feel so alive. And as Whitney said, that is such a cornerstone of the wellness journeys. What makes you feel alive? What challenges you? What brings you joy? With no expectation, no outcome in mind, just for the experience of it. And I think that's why we're so drawn to wellness is we don't want you to just be alive. We want you to thrive. Yes. And thriving is about feeling as good as possible for as long as possible, finding sustainable ways to just love your life, even in the low moments, right? I mean, we're not talking about feeling those highs all the time. It's like when you're feeling low, can you still find the things that bring you joy and see that there is a light on the other side of the darkness that you're facing at that time? And for me, music has always been one of the best ways for me to to tap into that. Now, Jason referenced the blog post on wellevator.com. So if you are interested in this subject matter, you want to hear us or read about us this topic a little bit more and get some more tips, we will include that for you in the show notes so that you can easily reference that. You can go to the blog and find all sorts of helpful tips and tricks and mindsets and all of that that we're putting there. We just want to give you whatever tools we can possibly provide. So we look forward to your feedback as well. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email. You can reach out to us on social media. You can comment on the blog. Please tell us what brings you joy, what songs you love, what creative outlets you have, any aha moments that you're experiencing as you're listening to this and reflecting on everything that we've said. We just would really love to hear from you. We love you. And I want to end on one of my favorite Wayne Dyer quotes. Wayne Dyer said, don't die with your song still inside of you, with the music still inside of you. Whatever that means to you, take that with you. Let your song of your heart sing and go forth and let the child play. We love you guys. See you soon for another podcast. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.